0: You've enjoyed the off-season, bold predictions. How about the one-fifth season, bold predictions? Alex and I are going to throw hot takes across the pond at each other, that pond being the Hudson River, and we will grade each other's hot takes. Will Jalen Brunson finish top five in the NBA made 3s? Will the Knicks finish top six in the league in point differential? Could they face the Orlando Magic in the playoffs? All that and so much more right now on Locked on Knicks.
1: You are locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, and today's episode. Wait for this one is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. Bucks. It's crazy every time I say it. If your team wins, visit fanduel.com locked on. To get started, we want to thank you for making Locked on Knicks your first listen today and every day. These are now available on all platforms, so check us out on YouTube and your favorite audio podcast platform of choice. Like, subscribe, hit that notifications bell, all that good stuff. And then if you want to take things up another level, we won't tell our girlfriend slash wife, respectively, um, you can sign up for our subtext and we will text you before and after every single Knicks game. Um, and you can text us any questions, queries you have about the team or anything else going on in your life. Um, but who, who are you talking to? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website in the whole wide world. Uh, back together for the first time in a little bit, Alex. So I thought it would be fun if we played a little game, threw some hot takes at each other. Um, I, I, I just had that whole long intro, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the right to go first. Um, what, what, what's your first hot take?
1: Oh, how chivalrous! Uh, <laughs> I also imagine when you say throwing hot takes at one another, I imagine it's like throwing pies at each other or something. Yeah, I that's what, what I, I was much.
0: like. I I thought like we'd like hot sauce bottles somehow, but yeah, you know, we'll, we'll keep workshopping that. Maybe maybe we'll make a adjacent
1: video to, for people to watch. I think hot sauce that would that would reach some uh, some yeah. painful territory. It would be like. Uh, uh, I don't know, like a like a prank show at that point. So I don't I know. Mean, if imagine people
0: putting that. hot sauce on paintballs. Is that a thing? Has that ever been done before? Kind of cruel,
1: but yeah, it sounds right, pretty bad. Right, something, something to think about for the sadists out there. All right, go go ahead. <laughs> all right, so my first hot take for the rest of the season, uh, Mitch will follow through and have a top ten offensive rebound per game season of all time, and maybe also in raw numbers too if his health holds out. So he's currently eighth all time uh, in offensive rebounds per game if his pace holds up as where where it's at right now i think he could pretty easily get into the top five i think he only needs 0.6 more offensive rebounds per game actually i was smart enough and kept this kept this open to look at here he's currently at 5.8 offensive rebounds per game the guys ahead of him if you would hope to uh crack you know further down this list would be dennis rodman no surprise moses malone no surprise with 5.9 each uh, Dennis Rodman and Moses Malone again with 6.4 each. Uh, Jason Williams with the Nets with 6.8 in 97 and 98. And then Moses Malone three times with 6.9. Nice uh, 7.0 and 7.2 offensive rebounds. So really like Mitch's runway to get into the top five is just to get 0. 0.6 more. That would bring him to 6.4 and tie him with Moses Malone and Dennis Rodman. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's... It, I think there's a there's a case to be made for him getting better or worse uh, as the season goes on. You know, better would just be he continues to, you know, do what he does best and stay out of foul trouble and keep himself useful on the floor, which unfortunately has been a little harder for him lately. Uh it seems like teams are finally starting to try to like really drag him away from the hoop because they realize how much of a beast he is on the offensive glass. Uh but there's also a case to be made that he figures it out, the Knicks figure it out and then he becomes even more dominant on the offensive glass, that they can find a way to just kind of keep him, you know, as useful as possible on defense, and keep him in good situations on offense as well to get those offensive boards. So I'm going to say I, I I think he will definitely finish top ten offensive rebound per game all time. Uh, I think there's an okay chance that he ends up in the top six, top five. So it' uh, pretty pretty solid stuff for him, and I, I think that. He's, he's set up pretty well all right i'm gonna grade the the top 10 one i'm
0: gonna say like a six or six or seven ghost peppers out of 10 I'm gonna grade the top five or six one uh, probably like an eight and a half ghost peppers out of 10 just because i think we're starting to see him slow down just a tiny bit in that capacity you, you're seeing to your point teams drag him away from the hoop but not only that like just it feels like on a minute by minute basis he's not making quite the same impact like i was I was pretty stunned against the suns last night who just don't really have any discernible athleticism on the front line. Like it's, it's it's Yusuf Nurkic um, and and then they just play a bunch of tweeners at, at the four, which is also why I thought Julius Randall should have dominated and why the Knicks path to winning that game seemed to be just total bully ball in the offensive glass. And instead they got bullied themselves. That, Told me that Mitch maybe wasn't feeling quite a hundred percent, and we're just starting to see what happens to him every single season, Alex. Where there's three or four times a game where, where he's on his butt. Like like last game, literally, he rolled over and was uh, Mike Green was kind enough to to call it his hip, but was holding his right butt cheek after taking a really hard fall, um, which obviously sucks to see. But that's kind of the fundamental issue with Mitch, like just because his his limbs are a million feet long and he flays them all over the court, like the wacky waving inflatable tube guy um, every time he goes for rebounds and stuff like he, he's just always going to be prone to bumps and bruises and lower body injuries. And it's not obviously not anything I wish on him. I, I wish the opposite, nothing but full health. But I'm, I'm just a little bit pessimistic that he's going to be healthy enough to do that. And I wonder if the first seven, eight, nine games is is just from an athleticism perspective the best we're going to see him look all season. That's not to say that to your point, like just because he's gotten off to such a good start, top ten is is out of reach by any means. I I just think the idea of pick, him picking up his pace is is bold, and, I, and I'd love to see it, but I have my doubts.
1: Yeah, I I think that's all totally fair, but I'm I want to hear this Jalen Brunson take that you've got for all right. This season. So. Uh- I'm going to say that Jalen Brunson, who
0: was, uh, I, I really, I, I can look it up while, while you're talking. I should have looked up where he finished last year, but was nowhere close to probably even the top 25 last year. will finish top five in the NBA in made threes and solidify himself in the process as one of the best three point shooters in the NBA. So he's right now he's, he's an eighth, but out of the top 10, he's taken the least um, threes per game, the least amount of total threes. So if he can just continue to up his volume while while staying something close to the same accuracy, and that, that's my biggest concern here is that he's currently shooting 47%, which even for um, someone as talented as Jalen Brunson it, is probably unsustainable. I mean, at his current volume, it's, it's unsustainable for anyone not named Steph Curry, right? So he, he's going to have to up his volume to offset the fact that his um, efficiency is probably going to go down a little bit. Like there's a reason a bunch of the other guys in, in the top 10, Um, are are bigger players who function in really elite offenses, like a Jason Tatum, like a Luka Doncic, like a Michael Porter Jr., because that size just just inevitably allows you to get off shots that a Jalen Brunson cannot take when he's super closely covered. So that's one element. Two, guys like Tatum and MPJ um, benefit from playing off of just crazy good offensive talent around them and in turn they get open spot up shots so that's the biggest thing for me here can his teammates get him more open shots i i don't even think he's really had as many as he's had last season alex um so that's a concern. So I know I know I'm just I'm just listing negatives against myself here. I, I think what he has on his side is one that like this kind of volume is new to him, and I think as he gets more comfortable, you might see him up it, up it, up it more and more as the season goes along. The other thing is I think he's just going to be healthier than the other guys in the top five, and, and everyone listening should knock on every piece of wood um, in, in in a ten mile radius of them uh, when I say that. But I, I think if he's healthy, if he if he plays the games, um, he's a pretty good chance at, at ultimately finishing top five.
1: Well, so I did pull the number real quick. Uh, oh, last year, he was 73rd. Wow. In the, in the NBA with 134 yeah. uh, made threes. But in due in part to, unfortunately, his durability, because he only played in 68 games last year compared to – but also, I mean, still fairly low when you have guys yeah. like, like Paul George. Right. He only took
0: four and a half a game last year, so that was yeah. the biggest thing. Yeah. Like
1: Paul George in, in 56 games last year hit 158. That was a pretty significantly higher number. Um, Desmond Bain in 58 games had 166. So, I mean, there were guys out there that played similar numbers of games. Kyrie Irving in 60 games had 188 made threes. So, you know, it, the volume is definitely helping him. You know, funny enough, Julius Randle, number eight in the NBA, made threes last year, 218. If you want to talk about how durability can can pay off in that category. Um, I'm giving this, if we're grading this on a pepper scale, I'll give this a – I'm going to like a 6 out of 10. Right. Six peppers. I actually don't think it's I don't think it's that spicy and it's probably me being a little bit of a homer, but I think that I think the leap we're seeing from him in three-point shooting is real. Uh, I think that the uh, the fact that he's taking more of these shots also is is sort of playing a supplementary role to Emmanuel Quickly sometimes and letting that happen uh, when those two are out there. And also, just Julius Randle acting in the capacity that he has been, which has been, I think, more of a distributor lately, like looking for teams to throw doubles at him in the post and looking to kick out. It's going to continue to create those spot up opportunities for him. Uh, And I don't think that's going to go away. If anything, hopefully the Knicks will just keep getting more and more comfortable instead of more uh, comfortable in their free moving offense rather than more and more complacent and back to their ISO offense again, which is what usually happens with the Knicks over the course of a whole season. Uh, but hopefully they they keep up the you know the the fast moving you know nice beautiful game ball movement type style that they've mostly been playing with through the first fifth of the season, and Brunson can keep getting those attempts, uh, and hopefully get even more attempts as the season goes on as well. So yeah, um, I I think it's pretty. I wouldn't say super likely, but I I think it's feasible that he makes it into the top five for sure. And my next take actually has something to do with Emmanuel quickly, which could maybe help get Jalen Brunson some more attempts that we're looking for. But first, I got to remind you all that today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. And right now, new customers get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet. That's one hundred and fifty bucks if your team wins and if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And one of my favorite things to do is a same-game parlay. It's a great way to turn a couple bucks into a, a lot more than a couple bucks if you play your cards right. And I've I've hit on a couple of these, and it, makes, it sure makes the game exhilarating. Uh, if you throw down just a couple dollars, you could potentially... Multiply that by 100 sometimes in a same game parlay because you pick multiple things from the same game to all happen at once. You could pick like five things that have lower odds because they're, you know, more likely to happen. But then when you compound those five things together, you could set yourself up with a pretty good payout if all five of those things happen. Like, say, you want to pick Julius Randle over two and a half threes, Emmanuel quickly over four and a half assists, Jalen Brunson over 24 and a half points, something like that individually maybe not a a huge bet there but together can potentially make you a lot of money with the same game parlay so if you want to do one for yourself visit fanduel.com locked on and get into it this nba season and nfl season make sure you bet some football as well fanduel official partner of the nfl all right and we're back into Keep going through hot takes, and Gavin, I was going to throw it to you, but then things led so beautifully into my next one, so I'm just going to take my next turn. Yeah, go for uh, it. Take your shot. <laughs> so my my second hot take after a fifth of the season has gone by is that Emmanuel Quickly will not win sixth man of the year this year, womp womp, because he eliminates himself by playing himself into a starting spot over Quentin Grimes at some point this year. Uh, we're rapidly approaching the part of the year where Tibbs if he is to make one change, might do it. Uh he's he usually waits until early December. Uh that was, I believe, I'm trying to remember what the exact date was last year. The the fateful date when he you know benched Evan Fournier and it was, it was around like, right now, right? Wasn't it pretty close to now? I think or maybe like maybe a few weeks later. I think it was December sixth. It was December something, if uh if we felt so inclined, we could look back at the schedule from last year, but I believe it was it was first week of December. Uh either way, I think it's I it, we're reaching that point where if Tibbs is going to make like one decision for the season, he might do it soon. I maybe it would shock some people if quickly ended up in the starting lineup. It would certainly I I mean, I'm making this my own bold prediction, hot take whatever, but you know, I it would shock me a bit cuz Tibbs seems to really love him as the sixth man, but I guess I'm just kind of banking on Tibbs doing the same thing that he did last year and looking at the numbers and, you know, looking at what's happening on the court and saying, you know what, we need to find this guy more minutes because he's been one of the most impactful players on the team. Him and RJ Barrett have the highest net ratings of like anyone on the team and of many people in the league right now and are clearly impacting winning on both ends. And I just think it it makes too much sense to just put quickly there. And that's not a knock on Grimes, but I, I think that, you know, I talked about this yesterday uh, on the show, but I think they could be beneficial for Grimes to move to that bench unit and kind of be in that more democratic uh, ball handling situation with uh, Dante DiVincenzo and Josh Hart and be out there and just kind of, you know, kick it around with those guys, drive and kick more, you know, do some of the things that he did like in summer league or whatever. So I think... In many ways, it could be beneficial for both players, but I just think quickly he's got to sooner than later find a path to like 30 minutes instead of 20 to 25. And I think the quickest way is you just start him, you start him, and then maybe he's your first sub out. Maybe you leave him in as the long man, you know, and the, with the first unit to get some time with the bench first, and then you know take him out late and then put him in just towards the end of halves. I don't know what the solution is, but I I do think that we just need to see more of him and particularly more of him with RJ and Brunson because those three in a limited sample size this year have a a preposterous net rating of like plus 60 or something like that uh, in like 30 possessions. I think I looked it up yesterday. So yeah, that's, that's my hot take. Maybe I'm just trying to manifest something, but I I really think it could happen.
0: Yeah, Alex, I I, I think that that's, pretty spicy I can I can, I can feel uh, my, my whole palate just tensing up right now because that's I'm going to go nine peppers out of ten on that one because I mean how many years running are we now on the two of us begging Tom Thibodeau to just start Emmanuel quickly and and It hasn't happened yet, right? At at least with any kind of consistency. At least like without there being an injury to precipitate it. And even when there is an injury, he's very reticent to take quickly out of that bench unit and and to remove that scoring punch. There, I'm. I look. I I I spent the whole offseason, right, saying like we're we're talking about two of the team's three best players, and they should just be getting as many minutes uh, on the court together and and as many minutes individually um, as possible. And, And Emmanuel quickly right now is, I would say. Um, after a really hot start from R.J. Barrett, where he would have had a case as a top three Knicks guy, um, after a really hot start from Mitchell Robinson, where he was maybe the Knicks' best player the first seven or eight games, you can again start to make the case that quickly is, is their third, if not given all of Julius Randle's inconsistencies, their second best player so far this season, and yet he is sixth on the team in minutes, only playing... 25 minutes per game right now. That is behind uh, Josh Hart who uh this is this maybe a podcast for another day. I don't think has been very good this year at least by his standards. So, I'm totally with you. I think I think it would be great for the team. I don't think Tom Thibodeau will ever do it because I I think he's just so reticent to um go down in size defensively, which is what makes my hot take, which is very similar to your hot take, um maybe maybe my spiciest one of them all and and it is that uh, Quentin Grimes will be dealt by the deadline. So the, uh, the non, the, the, the lukewarm, um, pill guy, I say this as a pill guy at an Indian restaurant version of this take would be that Quentin Grimes, um, w- would just be traded this summer, um, uh, which is very feasible, right? Even, even if Quentin Grimes had a great season, that would be very feasible just because the Knicks will be star hunting and Grimes is one of those guys that teams will, will be quick to ask for in that type of a trade um the reasons why it won't happen again i'm gonna i'm gonna uh this is this is a great bit i have going on making a statement and then arguing against it um there are a lot of reasons why it won't happen one of them is that the starting lineup is still pretty good it was very very good at the start of the season there were something like plus 17 per 100 possessions over the first couple of games um i checked it out on cleaning the glass currently plus 6.4 so they've gone down a lot after struggling the last three or four games um quinn grimes individually has struggled a lot but that's still obviously a very solid net rating so we'll see if that continues to go down because that could precipitate some kind of trade or move to the bench as you suggested um I think DiVincenzo the way he's been playing this year gives you a lot of what Grimes gives you and and maybe more in some other areas he's actually been um the better shooter this year or at least it feels that way actually I didn't check their three-point percentages before we started this but it just feels like he's made more shots um defensively he is not the one-on-one defender that Grimes is because he just doesn't have the same size and strength but on a night-to-night basis, Alex, I honestly don't notice a really substantial difference between the two, and, and there's an important caveat there that Grimes is usually guarding the best player on the other team, and is usually guarding someone off the bench, but in the minutes DiVincenzo gets with the starters, I, I think he generally looks pretty good in that capacity. Um, and then the biggest thing is just long-term, the Knicks can't ultimately pay everyone, right? And, and, and one of these guys, whether it's RJ, whether it's Randall, um, probably not Brunson, whether it's Quickly, um, Hart, like someone's going to have to get dealt especially when you're like maybe preemptively creating some extra room to fit in a star um so I wonder if the Knicks wouldn't turn him into a pick from like a young team that's that's looking for a three and D guy. like the Pistons who the Knicks play on Friday would be absolutely desperate to slot someone like Quinton Grimes into their starting lineup. Um, the reason you don't do this is is the idealized version of him is is still an ideal fit next to Brunson. But this is just sort of the third straight year we haven't, or not the third straight year. This in his third season is a year where we haven't seen substantial improvement from him for last season. That's partially on the Knicks. That's partially on Grimes. But I'm I'm curious if the Knicks start to lose patience a little bit.
1: For those curious about the stat that you brought up, uh, Divincenzo, oh, thank you. It's so nice having you back, Alex. I awesome. know yeah, back ahead. to back to pulling stats, baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, three more three pointers for Dante Divincenzo this year, and he's shooting three and a half points better from three than my eye test was right. There we go. The eye yeah, test passes out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I would give this a I give this like a seven out of ten. I just I don't know if really? the Knicks are there. Wow. I thought
0: I thought it was gonna be higher. So you so you think this is that you're saying like this isn't this isn't crazy? Basically,
1: I don't think it's likely. I just you know I do think that maybe the Knicks start reassessing their stance on Grimes. I think that they were viewing him the last two off seasons really is like pretty much untouchable in trades almost. You know, like he was he seemed like one of their most guarded young guys. Uh, you heard Emmanuel Quickly's name come up a lot more. You heard. RJ Barrett's name even come up a lot more when it came to trade discussions and Grimes was sort of viewed as like a guy who was not going to be traded, uh, you know, that like he was the building block. He was the the guy that doesn't need the ball, the, but can do stuff with it if you need him to and yada, yada, yada. You know, I, I just think at this point, maybe the Knicks are looking at him and saying, you know, look, if if we can maximize his value now. Clearly, you know, with the way that we're constructing this team, he's not going to be playing a, a really ball-dominant role anytime soon. He I, I don't want to use the word regressed, but he almost seems like he's regressed a little bit in terms of like stuff that he's doing off the bounce this year. Like it seems like he's not, maybe not regression, but he's just not looking for it as much, you know, which is concerning because that was something we were hoping to see more of. And that would keep that that first unit humming even more. And that is something that DiVincenzo does. Uh, you brought up the Pistons. I wonder if, like, I wonder if there's a world where a Grimes for Ivy swap can come into play in some way because the Knicks really wanted Jaden Ivy uh, in the draft just a year ago, and so you know maybe they can make something like that happen. I don't know. Uh, it would probably require a little extra, little extra grease from the Knicks in that regard because I think that Ivy would still be considered, it still has the luster of a, a top pick on him. Um, but yeah, I don't know, it's it's interesting. I I basically just, you know, I give it a seven instead of like an eight or a nine or a ten, just because I think I think the Knicks themselves maybe will start reassessing things with Grimes. And also when you start looking at, okay, like quickly's definitely gonna have to get paid now, you know, because you didn't do it before. Now he's gonna have to get paid this summer. Do you really want to pay quickly and then have to turn around and give Grimes an extension potentially or play the same game next year, leading into Grimes's restricted free agency? you know I, I this would be a good time if they were not sure about what they want to pay him to to make that happen at this point. Um, but Gavin, we've got a couple more takes left. I've got a pretty big one on on a overall sense and then you've got actually we've both got some pretty big ones that lead towards the end of the season uh, and where the Knicks might go in the playoffs and where they finish fine you know in the final standings uh, statistically and and things of that nature. But first, I think if people want to make some fun statistical picks, we should give them a little info about prize picks. Yeah, that's
0: the place to go do it, Alex. Um, and, And if you're at home, you might be asking, all right, what is this prize picks? RicePix is the largest stately fantasy sports DFS platform in North America, where the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS is just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six-player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Alex, I don't know about you, but my fear is, is, is there's just always some dude his mom's basement who has a statistics degree from MIT or U Chicago or somewhere I couldn't have gotten into out of high school. And it's just going to blow me out of the water. Right. And, and, and there are, there are people who, who make this a career. And I, I just kind of want to do it for fun. And, and that's the beauty of prize picks is you never have to play against those guys with basketball season here. um, They have another creative way you can win. You can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials legally created specifically for combo projections. That includes Two or more players from different sports or leagues, for example. Um, I'm going to throw this one out there. Uh, Jalen Brunson, threes made. And I'll, I'll throw you a bone, Alex. Uh, Garrett Wilson, uh, receptions from, from Mr. Tim Boyle, legendary quarterback. I'm, I'm going to set the over-under at that. Um, for Jalen Brunson's let, let's just say that Friday game against the Pistons. Um, I'm going to set the over-under at uh, seven and a half on that one. Um, so that's a little lofty. But, it, but if you like that number, you can go and play that. Uh, Prizepix also offers a reboot policy so that en- your entries stay in play, even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games. If your player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prizepix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. And that's amazing because nothing frustrates me more than making a good play and having someone get. Hurt. So go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Price Bix, daily fantasy sports made easy. Alrighty. And with that, we are back on locked on Knicks finishing off our hot takes. Um, Alex, uh, I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you start off one final time. you have you, been doing a great job leading the
1: way. Uh take us home. <laughs> All right. Uh this is just pretty lofty for the Knicks, I think. Uh, especially considering how things typically go for them, whether they're good in one category or another. Uh, but I think they're finally finding their way to a complete offensive and defensive turnaround this year, uh where they can be good at both and not just have to choose one or the other. So my final uh, thing here in the one-fifth hot takes is the Knicks end up top six in point differential for the year and top 10 in both offensive and defensive points per 100 possessions. So they're currently 10th in point differential at plus 4.1. They're currently 10th in offense per 100 possessions at 115.4 points. And they're seventh in uh, defensive points per 100 possessions, which is 111.2. Uh, also, a fun little fact: I got I pulled those numbers off clean, the glass clean. The glass has the Knicks is an expected fifty one point two win team right now, based wow. off uh, the numbers that they've been putting up, which I think any of us would take uh, all day and twice on Sunday. But yeah, point differential wise, they they have a pretty easy path to like the seventh spot. The sixth spot is where things get a little diceier, I guess. But ahead of so, first off, there's a pretty wide berth between tenth and eleventh. The Nuggets right now are plus 2.4 whereas the knicks are plus 4.1 so that's the difference between 11th and 10th but difference from 10th to 7th is only from 4.1 points uh differential to 4.6 which is what phoenix is at right now now granted they stand to potentially get better but then you've got like you got orlando at plus 6.2 at number six you got houston at plus 7.8 at number five Uh, I think they're just, you know, some teams that are going to come down a little bit. And Houston would be the one for my money. I know they're playing a lot better than people thought they were going to uh, under Udoka. But I just I think they're primed to eventually come down to their talent level at a certain point. You know, it's just I know they spent a bunch of money. They got some talented players, but not like superstars, you know, and they've been playing well within a a system right now and, and things are clicking. But as the season goes on, I think we'll see things sort of slowly regress to the mean for them and maybe for the magic as well, being a young team. Although I think the magic are going to continue being pretty good because they have a really good young core, but, and they'll get Wendell Carter back soon, which will be a huge add for them. Uh But yeah, I, I think the Knicks can do it. I think they can, they can pull it out and because they'll just continue to get better. I think that we've seen throughout the year, they've been slowly, but surely figuring things out on the offense, figuring out their consistency and the defense has been back to as good as it was a few years ago under Tibbs. So I I've got faith in them to make it into the top six and uh, maybe the clean the glass projection is right. And they will be a 50 plus win team, which would be pretty sweet.
0: Yeah. I'm going to call this a seven and a half out of 10. I think, I think the top six and top 10 in both is just a little bit lofty, like in terms of where I would have them, but that's why it's a hot take. I would, I would guess maybe ninth in point differential and they finish maybe, I, I think, Somewhere around eighth, ninth, tenth in offense is, is pretty reasonable for, th- for them. I'm actually a little bit more dubious about the defense holding up, and and maybe that's just because I have the sour taste of uh Keita Bates Jop, and Tabezi Metu raining threes on our on our head uh last game, still in my mouth. But um, yeah, I I, I just I, I don't see top 10 defensive personnel here for the Knicks. And look, that's the magic of Tom Thibodeau, right? He's 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 made a career out of manufacturing top 10 defenses. sometimes like like those bulls teams with great defensive players and and sometimes like the 21 22 knicks with like a, a series of pretty good ones and and an ability to cover up some bad to below average ones and and they've gotten a, a big boost i think by brunson and rj like clear cut kind of the two weak points last year playing better julius Randall's still just so inconsistent on that end of the floor and the less time that Quentin grimes plays that number could go down um, a little bit, or I guess go up, though, Emmanuel Quickly and DiVincenzo have both been great on that end. Um, it's, it's definitely not crazy. I, I think it's just a little bit rich for my blood, but that that makes it a good hot take. All right. Um, you mentioned the Orlando Magic. They are part of my prediction, and that is that the Knicks will finish, um, and this is in line with that clean the glass number, because I think I think it is going to take somewhere close to 50 wins to get there, as the four seed in the Eastern Conference and they beat the Orlando Magic in seven games in the first round before losing to the Boston Celtics in five in the second round. I just wanted to end, Alex, with a weirdly specific one that um, the odds of it coming through exactly are low, but I kind of wanted to just see how close I get to it when it's all said and done. And I, I like you, believe in this Magic team. Um, they're without two of their probably planned top four players coming to this season and Mark Kell Fultz and Wendell Carter. I, i my, my big curiosity with them is if they ultimately end up trading Fultz, because I think they're better off for having some shooting at the point guard position. And, and granted they're playing Jalen Suggs a lot there. Who's, who's not really any better of a shooter than Fultz is, but Cole Anthony has been a monster for them off the bench and they're winning his minutes by a ton of points. Um, so I wonder what they do there to your point. Carter will help out with that. Though Mo Wagner has been great. Um, betaze has been really good for them. They're a fun team. I think think they sustain, just not quite to the degree they're currently sustaining. And just when I look down the Eastern Conference, I don't know. I'm curious your take on this. And This is, again, also maybe like a full podcast in and of itself. It's just like a little bit worse than I thought it was going to be. And there there really aren't as many teams that I look at like a night-to-night base. And maybe a big part of that is Cleveland just being quite disappointing and, and and fairly injured to start this year, not not maybe making the jump that I thought and some other people thought they would as a team that was already pretty darn dominant in the regular season last year. But I say all that to say there's a pretty clear path for the Knicks to take the four seed. And um, I, I certainly think they could beat the Magic, in, in, a team that's probably more talented than them, at, at Like the or at least like looking down the road could be more talented than them, but just doesn't have that playoff dog in them like the Knicks do at this point.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of teams in the East that are kind of... Underwhelming a little bit, like you know, the Cavs definitely are a big one. Uh, although, I don't think you or I were as high as like the national media seemed to be on them, which is I weird. thought they were going to be an awesome regular season team. I, I didn't see yeah. anything different in the playoffs, but that was it that was me. It it is weird how much love they got during the during the off season and preseason, considering the fact that they didn't get that much better, and clearly had some some huge flaws that got exposed by the Knicks last year. So. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. Granted, like you said, it's been semi bad, you know, injury luck this year. But they sort of had an opposite start last year, if I'm not mistaken. They started mega mega hot last year, so it'll be interesting yeah. to see how they rebound from you know doing it the other way around, where they're starting off really slow. Uh, I also think the Pacers are starting to kind of come back to earth a little bit um, after their super super hot start. We'll see how they hold up, but you know, I, and also even just in the Knicks own division, like. The Raptors and Nets, I don't think, are anything too special. I don't know if people thought like I thought the Raptors maybe had an outside shot of of being pretty good this year. I thought the Nets would be really scrappy, which they're both around five hundred, so it's tough to say that they're not those things. But yeah, I don't think the East is like as much of a gauntlet as people thought it it was going to be, especially considering some of the teams in the West are better than people thought they were going to be, like the Thunder and the Timberwolves and. Um, you know, teams like that, that and the Rockets, who I mentioned already, the Pelicans are playing pretty well right now. So it's you know, there's there's a little bit more of a a lean to the, the West than I think people maybe thought there was going to be. Uh, that said, if I'm ranking this take, I'm going to rank it a nine out of ten just because you didn't have the Knicks beating the Celtics and advancing to the Eastern Conference finals, which is obviously what's going to happen. Yeah, um, I, I, I want to be controversial. Yeah, no, honestly, though, it's got to be a 9 out of 10, because anytime you try to hit something on the button like this, this early on, it's that's risky business, man. So this was this was bold, bold for the sake of being bold, but I respect it. Uh, and I will give it a high ranking. So yeah, I think that's where I'm at.
0: All right, awesome well I I'll, I'll be smiling year to year the rest of the week getting a nine nine pepper out of ten. I can I, I want a little like little placard um, with that on my wall. maybe, maybe I'll get that made. anyways, um, and until next time, uh, where Alex will have a, a game recap for you tomorrow and then both of us yeah it's a real treat both of us I know we're, we're, we're sorry we haven't been together much busy schedules conflicting schedules but that's going to change um in the near future but we'll be back on wednesday speculating on some trades that is going to be a really fun episode i know that uh because we're about to record it right now but until then he's alex i'm gavin we'll talk to you soon on next on, on